If you have your Bibles, though, and you have it open to Acts chapter number 17, we've been in a series called what? Here. But how do we do it, though? Here. Again. Here. One more time. Here. Okay. So we've been in this series called Here, and every single weekend we've been talking about a different core value uh, of our faith or a tenet of our faith or a core value of our church that we do here. And this weekend, um, I'm just pumped. And so I don't know how I'm going to get through all of this and get on a plane, but we're going to see what happens. Um, I'm going to read you the first nine verses of Acts chapter number 17, and then I'm going to give you uh, the title of the message, okay? Uh, starting at the first verse, Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphipolis, uh, Amphipolis, yes, that's how it's pronounced, and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. But some of the Jewish, I'm sorry, some of the Jews were jealous. So they gathered some troublemakers, underline that word, uh, they, get, they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted. That seems like a bit of an exaggeration. But Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, and now they're here disturbing our city too. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They are all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. Now, these are Jewish people talking. They had accepted Caesar as their king. That's just crazy. The people of the city, as well as the city council, were thrown into turmoil by these reports. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond, and then they released him. Now, I want you to go back to verse number six. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world. And now they are here disturbing our city, too. Uh, so here's the title of this message, okay? Get your fingers out, right? Get them up high. All right, now point down. Say, here. Do it again. Here. One more time. Here we upset the world. That's the title of this message. From here... We upset the world. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for upsetting us enough to upset others. Amen. <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited. Okay. Uh, uh, I want to give you some definitions because uh, uh, that's what I do. I, I like clarity. And so I want to give you the definition for upset, uh, to overturn, okay? And this word overturn 
means to destroy the power of, overthrow, defeat, or vanquish. Okay? Another definition for upset is to disturb or derange completely, put out of order, throw into disorder, to upset a system, to upset a mechanism, uh, to upset an apartment. The last one, to defeat or overthrow an opponent, an opponent that is considered more formidable, as in war, politics, or sport. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you know this or not, but like Jesus has pretty much upset the whole world. He's upset it so much that we're still talking about it 2,016 years later. So upsetting was this man's life that the calendar is split before him and after him. The thing that is absolutely amazing is that Jesus' life came to bring us freedom, restoration, deliverance, healing, power. We just talked about it. What a powerful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. And here's the thing that's amazing. That name and that power and that gifting that he has given to us is so that we could upset the world. And the reason why we can do it is because it's happened in our own life as well. Now, I have a ton of scripture to read. I don't apologize for that. Why? Because we're in a church. Okay. So uh, I'm going to read a lot of scripture. And uh, I, I want to I teach this to you uh, so it can be an active part of your life. If you are going to be a resident of Embassy City Church, uh, you're going to be upsetting the world the world around you. There is no one that's going to be able to stay around you for a long time without getting their world upset. Now, listen to me. It's not because you're going to be obnoxious. It's not because you're going to be such a holy roller. It's going to be because your life has been so overturned by what God has done in it that there is no way they can stay around you without finding themselves being turned around also. But we've been called to upset the world. And so uh, here, here's the notes that I want you to have, and here's the way I want you to set it up. Remember, we take notes. Why? Nerds rule the world. Thank you so much. You guys have been listening. You guys are amazing. Nerds rule the world. Take notes. If you do not take notes, you will be working for the people that do. <laughs> take notes. Okay? Here's what I want you to write up top. In order to upset the world, okay? That's how we want to phrase our three points. In order to upset the world, point number one, write this down. You must be upset first. And I'm going to read you uh, two instances of Jesus upsetting some people, and he upset them in different ways. First, in Acts chapter number 9. Starting at the first verse. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. 
So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrests of any followers of the way. And if you see, it's capitalized there. That's what they called the people who followed Jesus. They called them followers of the way. Remember, Jesus said about himself, I am the way, the truth and the life. OK, no man can come to me except his father draws him and nobody, nobody can come to God except they come through me. OK, um, followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Now, let me stop right there. Uh, do you know how ambitious you have to be? He's going to go to a city called Damascus and find anyone that believes in Jesus and lock them up and bring them back to Jerusalem. That would be the equivalent of you flying to Philadelphia and knocking on anybody's doors that was a Philadelphia Eagles fan and you want them all arrested for not being Cowboys fans. It's pretty ambitious. But this is how... <laughs> This is how much religion poisons the mind. That on behalf of God, you're going to go and upset some people. See, if you remember in Acts chapter number 17, it said that the Jews gathered some troublemakers and they went to go find Paul and Silas. But here's what they said about Paul and Silas. These guys have called has caused trouble. The troublemaker said they were causing trouble. The troublemaker said, no, 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 you're the one causing the trouble. But they didn't, they didn't cause a riot when they came into a city. People got healed. People got delivered. They got set free. But, but when you're in a world system, whenever people start getting the opposite of what the world says is normal, now, all of a sudden, it's trouble. So Paul is doing this. Saul is doing this. He's also called Paul. And it, it, that name change has nothing to do with conversion. He was a, uh, uh, born a Benjamite. He's a Jewish man, but he lived in uh, Roman uh, uh, quarters. He had Roman citizenship. And so Saul is his Jewish name, but they called him Paul as his Roman name. Okay, So that has nothing to do with conversion. Verse number three. Uh, as he was approaching Damascus on this mission... A light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's in red. It's not red up here, but it's in red in your Bibles, okay? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The man with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him in a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go. 
For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterwards, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days and immediately he began preaching, underline that, and immediately, no Bible class, no two-year discipleship program. He went from agreeing that people should be murdered for believing in Jesus to having something like scales fall from his eyes, which I believe were religious scales, fell from his eyes, and he immediately started preaching Jesus. He immediately began to preach about Jesus in the synagogues, saying, he is indeed the son of God. All who heard him was amazed. Isn't this the same man who was causing such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And didn't he come here to arrest us and take them in chains and lead, take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. You can't upset anybody unless you've been upset first. Saul was a man who was vehemently denied to the message of Jesus Christ. It would be no different than walking up against a, 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 an atheist or an agnostic or someone who was radicalized in their religion. Saul was the same way. But he had been upset by Jesus on his way to persecute people who believed in Jesus. And as soon as it happened, he turned around immediately. I'm amazed by how some people think that, that once you get saved, you know, you need to, you know, you need to wait a minute. Don't start telling everybody you love Jesus right away because you don't know if you even mean it yet. Now, I believe in discipleship and that you have to grow in, in the knowledge of God's word. Michael Exum talked about that earlier. You have to remind yourself. You have to be immersed into uh, that experience. But listen, you know when you've changed. I remember uh, Juliet is in uh, uh, California, but she won't mind me telling this story because I'm with Juliet. So uh, there was a girl that I was dating when I first got saved. And uh, I remember being on the phone with her and, and, and telling her January 14th of 1996, I gave my life to Jesus. I'm so excited. Woo! And she was like, oh, yeah, it's cute. It's really cute. I mean, yeah, I get it. You know, you love Jesus. And it's kind of like when I started cheerleading. You know, I was really excited when I made the squad. And, and that's all I talked about for a few weeks. I mean, but after a while, it'll die down. I mean, I know you're excited and all, but I mean, you know, it'll die down. We just got to wait for you to just calm down. And I was like, did you, um, I'm, I'm sorry, did you, did you just, because it sounded like you kind of equated <laughs> like a spiritual conversion, heart transformation, complete freedom that I found in Christ Jesus with cheerleading. <laughs> I just want to make sure I just want to make sure I heard you right just now, because it sounded like you were like Jesus cheerleading, 
It's kind of like the same thing. Is, is, is that what you meant when you just, because I just want to make sure, because I'm breaking up with you regardless. I just want to know the reason why. She's like, yeah, it's just like, you know, when I got to cheerleading and, and you'll calm down in a few weeks. Well, that hasn't happened in 20 years. Thank God I didn't marry her. When you've had your world upset, you go from that way to that way. And you might not understand everything. You might not have everything, might have, might not have everything figured out. But you know that you know that you know that there is no way this is hype. There is no way this is a feeling. I've had my heart transformed by the power of a living God. You've been upset. Something's been overturned. Generational curses have been broken. Bad thoughts and habits that you never felt guilty about, you're under the Holy Spirit's conviction. And you're going, I should not be doing this anymore. Because your world's been upset. Now go to Luke chapter number five. I'm going to show you somebody else that got upset. We know him very, very well. Luke chapter number five, starting at the first verse, here's what it says. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Uh, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, uh, we worked all hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. Can I just pause and say, Peter had never caught this many fish in all of his years in the fishing industry. A shout for help brought their partners in another boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized, this is how I know he had never caught this many fish in his life. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh, Lord, please leave me. <laughs> I'm much, I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. <laughs> how do I know it was like that? Uh, because when you've been overwhelmed by a blessing, you can't act like you've been there before. This guy got his boat rocked. No pun intended. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. See, let me tell you what happened with Saul. Saul had a spirit of religion taken away from him when he got upset by encountering Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what happened to Peter. He had a spirit of independence broken off of his life. When you're a businessman and you think you know what you're doing, here's how you act. I got this. I really don't need the Lord. I got an MBA. I mean, 
My strategic plan is working perfectly. It's flawless. The numbers are up this year. We are doing it. And here's what God says. If you're going to be my disciple, you can't do spiritual things on one end and your own business stuff on the other end. It all becomes mine. There's a new business model. And you don't go out fishing at nighttime like you do in your fishing industry model. With me, I'm telling you to go out in the daytime and you'll catch more fish by obeying me than by obeying your strategic plan. Spirit of independence was broken off of his life, and he dropped his nets and started following Jesus. So point number one is, you cannot upset the world. You must be upset first. Point number two, write this down. In order to upset the world, get used to upsetting people. In order to upset the world, get used to upsetting people. Here's one verse that I want to give you in Acts chapter number 10. And then I want to show you some ways that Jesus upset people. Uh, Acts chapter number 10, verse number 38. Uh, if you guys have a physical Bible, or, or even if you have it on your um, phone and you, you, you can highlight this, I really want you to get this. Because the whole formula to upsetting the whole world is found in Acts 10, 38. Okay? And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus, now think about it, then he was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and with power. All of us have, have received that. Every blood-washed believer has received the power and the Holy Spirit, okay? Here's what it says. Then Jesus went around doing good, underline that, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He did good. And he healed everyone that was oppressed by the devil. Now, here's uh, what, what happens with most charismatic Pentecostals. They focus in on the demons. Ooh, let's cast out some demons. The devil is alive. Get the oil. E-V-O-O. -O. <laughs> From the Food Network. And let's just go to work. Let's slain that oil. Let's cast out those demons. That's part of what we do. We believe that there is a demonic spiritual realm, and God's given us authority over that. We don't have to shout. We don't have to yell at them. We can just take authority and cast them out. We don't need antics. We just stand firm in the authority that we have in Jesus Christ, not how loud our voice can get. And we cast them out. But, but did you see what it said before? He went around doing good. You want to know how to upset the world? Because we live in a very, very cynical world. And you know what will make a demon run faster than pulling out some oil? Being nice. You want to confuse somebody? Be nice. I took an Uber ride uh, to, to my cousin's uh, uh, barbershop uh, before I came here. And when I, as soon as I got in the car, he said, you are the best rider I've ever had in my car. I said, I'm sorry, what? He said, you're the best rider. I just, there's something about you. I knew when you got in the car, you were a good man. I said, really? How? He said, because when I sent you a text message to tell me what terminal to come to you uh, at, you replied, hi, Bilal. 
No one has ever texted me and said hi and called me by my name. They usually just give me the, the A28 or C21, and they get in the car, they don't say two words to me. But you, as soon as you wrote hi, Bilal, I knew you were different. The guy's from Lebanon, by the time we get out of his car, he says, hey, I, they're just, you're, you're different. And, and you have this church. Okay, so here's what I want to do. I want to give charity rides. On the weekends that I'm free, if you need anybody that needs a ride to church, you call me and I'll pick them up and I'll bring them to church. <laughs> All because I wrote Bilal in a text. We didn't have to, wait, wait, wait a minute, Blau from Lebanon, let me just see, what, I mean, who do you believe in first? <laughs> Let's figure that out first. Really, 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 really? We got to go through all of that? If I do good, the Holy Spirit is the one that brings people to Jesus. So, okay, I got to show you some stuff. Okay, 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 okay. I told you I was so hyped. Okay, all right, so go to Matthew chapter number eight. I'm, I'm going to show you... Uh, some stuff. Okay. Matthew chapter number eight, starting at the uh, 28th verse. Okay. This is so good. Okay. Uh, when Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gadarenes, two men who were possessed by demons met him. They lived in a cemetery and were so violent that no one could go through that area. Uh, they began screaming at him, why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? That's how the demons talk. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding in the distance. So the demons begged, hear me, you know who has the authority in this situation? Jesus was just walking through. They saw him. Ah! You're here early. Like, we already know where we're going for eternity. But we know the clock's ticking. The, the time's not, you haven't even died. Blood hasn't been shed. Like, what are you doing here early? He goes, Jesus didn't even suggest it. They were like, oh, 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 can we please go in the pigs? I scared the baby. Okay. Why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding in the distance. So the demons begged, if you cast us out, send us into that herd of pigs. I love Jesus' response. All right, go. Jesus commanded them. So the demons came out of the men and entered the pigs, and the whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Let me stop right there. These spirits were in these two men, tormenting them for a long time. Those spirits wanted to throw them into the lake and drown them. But they had an appointment with Jesus Christ, and as many demons as they had, they were not going to be a match for the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And as soon as they got out of those people and into those pigs, they went straight into the lake and they drowned. Now, this is interesting. The herdsmen fled to a nearby town, telling everyone what happened to the demon-possessed men. Now, uh, again, Jesus upsets everybody, right? 
It's walking through, demons upset, demons are now in the lake and some pigs, okay? Pigs drown, they're like, now we're we gonna go. They didn't think, they didn't think that through. <laughs> You'll get it later, okay? Uh, then the entire town, get this, came out to meet Jesus, but they begged him to go away and leave them alone. These two men were terrorizing the people in, in this section of town so long, people stopped going in that direction. Jesus comes in and frees the men. The men go back into the city. We're free! People are like, ah! Are y'all all right? We're, we're healed. We're free. We're not crazy anymore. The demons are gone. Jesus did it. This guy right here did it. And they all ran out to meet him. Oh, oh my goodness. Hey, is it you? Yeah, it's me. I, I did that. You need to go. Why would you want Jesus to go? He just proved if he could do it for these guys, he could do it for everybody in the city. You ready for it? Some people don't want their world upset. Some people don't want you to upset their world. They like it the way it is. I'm so used to my lifestyle that even though I just saw the most amazing miracle that I've ever seen, that looks like it's going to be too much work. So I'm going to have to ask you to leave. If you're going to upset the world, get used to upsetting people. And some people you upset won't receive it. Doesn't matter if, they, if you prayed for them and it is completely evident that God moved, they don't want it. You're going to have to be okay with it. Now go to John chapter number four. John chapter number four. Here's what it says starting at the uh, first verse. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though, John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way, eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sakar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this, is a this, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon be thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir. The woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. 
If you got it like that, if you're the sparklets man, and you can install something in the house, please do it now. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Uh-oh! <laughs> he just said it all. He upset her world, too. I don't have a husband. The woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands. Dang, Jesus. <laughs> He's going to put her out like that at the well? I thought you was tired. <laughs> and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Oh, Jesus! Why are you doing her like this? What is she? You don't even know her. You certainly spoke the truth. Oh, Jesus! Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. It wasn't like you're with somebody now. Like, you've had five. I'm accurate on that. And you're with somebody now. He ain't even your husband. She's like, you are seriously on point. So tell me. She tries to switch the subject. She's talking about relationships. She goes straight to religion. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship? While we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount uh, Gerizim, or Gerizim uh, where our ancestors worship. Jesus replied, uh, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. And salvation comes, for salvation comes through the Jews. Uh, but the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Upset her. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what, what are you, what, what? What do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her jar, her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Some people don't want their world upset. Some people do. It's not our assignment to figure out who. It's just our assignment to upset. He walked through a town. He saw some demons. He saw two men who had demons. They recognized him. He cast them out. They ran and told the village. They were like, we're not interested in that. Jesus was like, bye. He goes to another place where one woman who had a lot of relationships, couldn't figure it out, talks to this man, and she drops her water bucket, doesn't even get the water she wanted, drops her water bucket, goes back, tells everyone, the whole city comes out. And guess what? They wanted to be upset. They were like, if you could do it for her, because we all know her. <laughs> Five people knew more than others, but they... They knew, they knew who she was, and they were like, if, if you can stop her from this, 
We might need to figure out who you are. It's just upsetting people. So you have to get used to upsetting the people. Here's point number three. Write this down. Get others to upset people. In order to upset the world, point number one, you must be upset first. Point number two, get used to upsetting people. And point number three, get others to upset people. Now, there's two scriptures I want to give you for this, and then I promise I'll stop. Uh, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. This is our mandate. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Here it is. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. You know what that command is? To go upset the world. The thing that you saw me do for three and a half years before I went to the cross is what you'll be doing, and I want you to command others and teach others how to do it as well. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now I want you to jump to uh, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 2. Here's what uh, Paul says. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Listen, if it's one thing that has completely rocked my world, this week is the revelation that we've been called to upset the world. It makes so much sense to me, and I've seen it plainer than I've ever seen it in the 20 years that I've been saved and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think the reason why it's so easy for me to talk about, because it just dawned on me, and the Holy Spirit is the one that revealed it to me, he said, I want you to teach this message this weekend, but, but, but here's the thing, Tim. You've been doing this your whole life. And again, we're not talking about sensationalistic things. I, I, I know people personally who God has used to raise the dead. Documented miracles of people's limbs growing out. I mean, people that didn't have a limb and their whole arm grows out to a hand I mean, miraculous stuff. I, I wish I had those stories. I don't, never happened one time. I've prayed for it to happen, and I'm like, ooh, I just don't have that. But I'm anointed to be nice. Ooh, ooh, and I like doing it. We've been doing it for a long time, and, and it just dawned on me. The Lord was like, do you know I've already been using you to upset the world? See, a lot of times we think unless we're casting out demons or doing something super sensationalistic, then we're not being mightily used by God. But you might be able to type high Bilal and upset somebody's world. 
My best friend Corey is sitting in the back, and we've been best friends since about 90 days after I got off the Greyhound bus moving here to Texas. And one day on this street, Beltline Road, uh, just down about maybe a mile and a half, there used to be a restaurant called Black Eyed Pea. Anybody remember that restaurant? They're no more. So, uh, yeah, they didn't make it. So um, <laughs> we're sitting at Black IP, and Corey and I, we, we, just, we, we just like blessing people. That's just what we do. And we're sitting there, and I wasn't married yet. He wasn't married yet. He, he would have to come pick me up and take me to church, and I didn't have a lot of clothes. I didn't know I was going to share this, Corey, so be prepared to get embarrassed. So I didn't have a lot of clothes. They didn't look that good. He, he's always been a nice dresser and all this stuff. And one time I went to his apartment, and I was like, man, you got some nice clothes. Can I wear that shirt? Because that way, because you're wearing this, can I wear He was like, no, you, you, never. You can't. Why would I ever let you wear my clothes? Like, and I was like, because I'm your best friend, and I look very tacky. And he was like, yeah, no, that's not, mm -mm, no, that's never going to happen. But I love you, but no, you never, you're not wearing my clothes. <laughs> he never let me wear his clothes. Like, you thought there was going to be like a conversion, like the Lord, uh, no, no, it didn't happen. So, but we were both givers. We're givers, okay? So we're sitting down at Black IP with our completely budgeted selves, single guys, and he goes, uh... What are you going to give her for a tip? And I was like, I don't know. What are you going to give her for a tip? And he goes, I'm going to give her $20. And I was like, you're going to give her $20? He said, yeah. And I was like, well, then I'm going to give her $20. 20 and 20 equals 40. I know that much, Matt. So we paid our bill, and we gave her a $40 tip. And we've gotten better at this through the years. We don't actually like to be around when they get the tip. We like to be gone, like Batman, just disappear. Uh, but we were novices at the time. <laughs> and so we gave her the tip, and we were still kind of there chatting. And she walked away, and she came back with these tears in her eyes. And she said, this is my second day on the job, and this is the biggest tip that I've ever received working at any restaurant. Thank you guys so much. Who are you? We're like, well, we just thought we would bless you and, you know, we love you and we're praying for you. And, and she's just like, I, what? Oh, thank you. Okay, bye. We upset her in like the best way possible. She was upset. Completely overturned. Guess what? We didn't want anything from her. We weren't hitting on her. We didn't want to date her. We weren't looking for a discount next time we came. Do you see how cynical the world is? What is the catch? Why are you doing something nice? I was in California a few years back, and uh, I was at the cash register, and uh, sometimes the Lord would just prompt me to pay for somebody's uh, groceries behind me. And I know how to do it. I'm, I'm slick at it now. So um, I paid for my groceries, and then she scanned all her stuff, and I act like I was, like, having trouble bagging my stuff, like, even though they already bagged it. I'm like, why are the 
Eric's here. And... <laughs> you know, I'm just timing it. Right? Oh, I'm minding my business. And boop, 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 got it all done. And they said, okay, it's going to be 43, 43. So I stepped back this way before she could step this way and swipe my card. And she was like, what did you just do? And I was like, um, I just wanted to bless you today. She was like, I don't need to be blessed. Why did you just do that? And I was like, I, I just wanted to be a blessing to you today. And she was like, I don't need that. Like, you could have given that to somebody who really needs it, but I don't need it. And I was like, are we really going to argue right now <laughs> about me paying for your groceries? I know you don't need it. I just wanted to do it. And she was like, well, whatever. Thank you. And so I walked away. And I felt some kind of way. <laughs> like, I had to have a conversation with Jesus. When I walked out, I was like, wait a minute. I felt like the Holy Spirit said to do that. That's not the reaction that I typically get from people who, you know, you do that for. Oh, you upset some people and they receive it. You upset some other people and they don't receive it. It's not our job to legislate and size up, oh, I think they'll receive it. It's our assignment to upset. Now, here's why I made it really big. I didn't say upset the city, upset your house, upset the block. It's upset the world. Because we all have a world. You got your home life world. You got your work world. You got your play world. Whatever world it is, go upset it in the name of Jesus Christ. And you may, throughout your life, be able to do one of those real awesome things like heal somebody of cancer or pray for somebody to be delivered from a spirit and they receive freedom. But let me tell you what you'll be doing every day if you never do none of the big stuff we like to celebrate in church. You'll be doing good. And if we all commit to doing good, we will upset the world. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?